podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, and this week we are joined by another guest, Christina Weiss. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. It's great to have you. Thanks. Great to be here. All right. Let me introduce you uh, briefly, Christina, and then we'll have you tell us a little bit more about yourself. But Christina is a product consultant and coach with 10 plus years of experience in product management, software development, digital health, and is an America based in Vienna and does a lot of work with a number of different people from founders to leaders to PMs. So Christina, I'm super excited to talk to you today and we're excited to learn more about you, some of the work that you're doing and how that applies to product managers, leaders and others. So welcome again to the show and why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Kyle, for the intro. And again, very happy to be here. Um, yeah, like you said, I am a product consultant and coach. Um, so my background originally is in psychology, then clinical research, before I finally made my way into the tech and startup scene, um, starting out in software development. I was a front-end engineer for a while before switching to product. I think especially back then, people sort of fell into products accidentally. <laughs> and I was definitely one of those. Um, and yeah, so for the past number of years, I've been working largely with startups, um, as a PM and then product leader and, and yeah, took the jump to starting my own business about a year and a half ago. And now I do yeah a variety of consulting and coaching for product teams, startups and individual PMs and people looking to get into product. Okay. That sounds super interesting. And I love the path that you've taken and I want to dive into a little bit more because I think it's a really interesting one. But before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the things that maybe you do outside of consulting and coaching and some of those other things, uh, you know, when you're not uh, necessarily in the office, what are some of the things that you like to do outside of that? Yeah. Um, so I'm a really big Liverpool fan. So I spent a lot of time watching soccer slash football, um, anything Premier League related and beyond. There's a game later tonight, actually, that I'm quite excited about. Um, and I also have a dog who likes a lot of exercise. So I spend a lot of time at the dog park at various dog parks all over the city. Okay. Um, and yeah, anywhere else. Very nice. <laughs> all right. Go. So as a Liverpool fan, you've been having a good time in, in recent years, maybe not so much this year uh, so far. True. Yeah. It's been a, a confusingly rocky few weeks, <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully they've righted the ship. We'll right. See. <laughs> right. Okay. And then what kind of dog do you have? Uh, he's a terrier mix of some sort uh, okay. he, they found him on the street in Hungary, um, so he's a nervous little guy, but pretty cute. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. So I'm really, really excited to dive into more of your experience because you work with, uh, like we mentioned, product leaders, product managers, founders, uh, to help them in a, a lot of their roles. And a lot of that has to do with their, you know, building some of their experience, um, communication, working with uh, stakeholders when it comes to product management and leaders and some of those things. And we'll, and we'll dive into that. But before we do, maybe you can dive into a little bit more of your journey because you, you kind of mentioned, you know, falling backwards into some of what you do, which a lot of us do that in the product management yeah. world. I know that's how I came into product management as well, kind of falling backwards into it. Uh, you know, you started out as a front end developer. So tell us a little bit more about your journey, both into the technology and, and product space. And then what brought you into the uh, product consulting and coaching specifically? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think, first of all, it's exciting to see that now people are getting into products on purpose. <laughs> that feels like a very good sign for the field. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like a lot of people, I moved into products mostly out of necessity. I joined a company and they sort of needed somebody to do it. And I was the best option uh, at the time. And it was related enough to the sort of stuff that I did. Right? I think as a front end developer, I was really, you know, focused closely on users and user experience. Um, so it was a relatively um, sensible <laughs> leap 
And, and I just really liked it. I liked that it was right in the middle of things. I think especially at small companies, you get to be involved in so many facets of the company, of the products, of the whole journey. Um, and that was a bit of a, a change from being on the engineering side that I really liked. And so, yeah, then I, I stuck with it from there. Um, and yeah, like you said, I do focus a lot more now on communication specifically. The consulting that I do tends to... It's it covers a lot of things, right? I, I support on sort of strategic sides. There's a lot of process improvement, um, and when I'm coaching individuals, we cover sort of a, a wide range of topics. Um, but it definitely became clear, both in my own work and then especially now that I'm consulting, that so much of both what we do as product people and also the challenges that we have come back to communication, talking with stakeholders, and all of these sort of soft skills, um, as we call them, that's, that are so crucial. And I think when, when founders or when product leaders come to me and they're looking for consulting, they might say, you know, I have a problem with X, Y, Z, right. It could be, Oh, we, we, our process isn't working on this, or we need help with some strategic thing. But so often I see that sort of, if you dig deeper, the ultimate base problem is some sort of communication team dynamics, uh, stakeholder management, other something else on that on that level, and that's yeah, seeing that sort of over and over again is how I ended up focusing more heavily there because I think it is really important. It's clearly really needed, and I think it's not something we talk about too much yet, um, generally and especially in the product world. Yeah, totally agree, I, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So, is that? one of the biggest things, well, let, let me step back for a second. So what are the biggest things that you see when people come to you and they want consulting or coaching? You know, you kind of mentioned uh, some of the problems that you see and some of the things that, that you focus on. Are those typically the biggest problems or issues that people come to you with? Or are there other things that that you tend to see when when people are in need of guidance or, or coaching or consulting? Yeah, it's definitely a mix. I think because I work a lot with startups and people who are in the sort of early stage company setting, um, a lot of it is sort of process building or that strategy layer or that sort of tipping point of, you know, a founder has been leading product for a long time and now is trying to build a team or, you know, has started to build a team and is struggling with it. Um, I think that, that's, that's a, a real challenging point for a company and for the pro, you know, the product specifically. Um, so I often come in around then either to do some consulting, to do some coaching as sort of an interim leader. Um, and so, yeah, what leads people to me, I think is, is a wider variety of things. Um, but a lot of it sort of ends up being around that time period. Um, and a lot of it does then ultimately come back to some sort of process issue, communication issue, team issue, um, most of all. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's one of those things that we don't talk probably as much about and yeah. probably because it's it's such a difficult thing. Well, when we do talk about it, it's, I don't know, it, it feels like it's one of those very nebulous or difficult things to grasp or get a hold of. You know, how do you really uh, do communication well or stakeholder management well? How how do you handle those things when they're so important, but it's such a gray area or such a difficult thing to kind of pull all together? So uh, it's understandable that it be it becomes the core of so many problems, but also it becomes such a difficult thing to, you know, how do you really address it when there's not like one thing that you can say here, just do this one thing and it will solve all your problems. So exactly. Yeah. It's more complicated, I think. And it's also, it's, it's a hard thing to sort of um, admit that you're struggling with, I think more so than maybe a hard skill that you might, you can yeah pick up a book about or sort of delve into in a side project or something. Um, it is sort of so ingrained and so nebulous um, and that can make it hard to, to tackle. And yeah, I think we all sort of get into our habits. Companies have their habits and their sort of unwritten rules and norms and all of that stuff, I think can definitely make it harder to sort of get out of those, those ruts when you get stuck in them. Yeah. So when you're working with 
you know, leaders or uh, you know, whether that's leaders of a company or, or product leaders or even product people in general, you know, how do you kind of come around to addressing some of these things, whether it's, uh, you know, you, you kind of start with your know, one issue or kind of set of issues and then eventually come around to this uh, idea of, you know, really the fundamental thing here is communication or is another set of problems you know how do you kind of work through those things and and really get to the underlying issues that may be at play you know can can you kind of walk us through how you how you delve into those types of things yeah i think so first of all i do think that it is it can be helpful for me to be sort of an external person or a new person at that point because i think as I said, right, you get sort of stuck in your ways. We, we all do. And I think it's easier for somebody from the outside to see when that's happening. Um, so a lot of it is really, you know, as I have initial meetings with people to get to know them, to figure out, you know, what they see the, as the challenges, how that fits into what, you know, the leaders have said, what I've seen elsewhere. Um, a lot of it starts to come up sort of organically. I think some people are more you know, aware of that sort of thing than other than others are, um, right? So some people, you know, might realize that there's certain communication issues happening. Um, in other cases, I think it, it takes a little bit more, a little bit more digging. Um, but it definitely, I think, if you're talking anything related to to teams, right, it's always something that is going to come out. Um, it might come out first in sort of more concrete ways, right? Oh, um, you know the engineers are always busy and they don't want to join these meetings, right? That is sort of a, a more specific example that I know I'm sure a lot of us have seen in the past. Um, but I think that sort of more specific thing can speak to sort of larger problems or larger patterns um, that, that, yeah, are part of that sort of more foundational problem. Um, and I do think just starting that conversation goes a long way because so much of it is really about sort of making it conscious and making it intentional. Um, and if you can start talking about it, yeah, I think you already sort of set yourself up to to start doing it more effectively. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you, you brought to mind uh, one of the points that I, I find really interesting. You know, Daniel Kahneman wrote about this in, uh, in frequently, but in his book about having an external perspective and bringing in either somebody from the outside or taking an external perspective so that when it's just your group, you kind of have the built-in perspectives that everybody has, but bringing in somebody from the outside or taking that outside perspective and applying it to the group so that you can get outside of just what you have within either your team or your company and see things differently because it can be really difficult to do that when, you know, when, when it's been so ingrained and and not that that's the fault of anybody, but bringing in a different perspective to help you do that and say, okay, you know, we've been at this for a long time. You know, maybe we need another set of eyes on, on this problem or on, on what's happening here. And that's not, that's not admitting that like, Hey, we're incapable of it. It's, it's just the idea that, you know, we need another perspective on what we're doing to maybe help us see things differently, uh, which is kind of what you were saying that, you know, how, how can we apply that idea to either processes that we have or problems that we're trying to solve and uh, not get stuck in the way that we're constantly thinking about things and, and kind of avoid that group thing that tends to happen if we're always if it's always the same people kind of solving the same set of problems and, and not ever having an outside perspective kind of looking at something in a new way. Yeah. And I think that is a, a good point, right? This is not to say that, you know, a team is doing something totally wrong and I'm coming in to save the day. I think, um, you know, you could put anybody in, you know, in my communication settings and I'm sure they would find a lot of things <laughs> to, to critique as well. Um, but, but yeah, I think it is, it's just helpful to sort of, First, I think to kind of force the conversation because it's easy for communication issues to be sort of, you know, important, but not urgent. Um, And yeah, like you said, I think having that external eye as well. And that's, I think a lot of it is just, as I said before, too, like just making it intentional and and 
a topic. Um, so I'll often have people that I work with do a, like a disc profile, which is one of those sort of personality um, type test assessment things um, that I find helpful is, you know, it's of course overly simplistic, but it can be helpful to sort of bring about a shared vocabulary and to get people talking about, you know, this is the way that I work and communicate. And I think that gives you a better perspective on how it is for others um, or to do something like building your own sort of personal user manual, right? So here's the way that I like to communicate, how I like to give feedback um, that sort of thing. I think just getting people thinking about these topics and, and talking about them really does yeah, go a long way to making it, it easier and smoother. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's absolutely right. So I've always put a uh, good communication in the top four like attributes of good product management and, and probably really good leadership. Like that's one of the most important things I think for, for everybody, uh, for you, what does good communication look like and what are some ways that we can improve our communication skills as product people, as leaders, as really anyone within an organization? What are some things that you focus on and how can we improve those? The, the ultimate question, I think. <laughs> um, definitely a good one. I think, yeah, just understanding what good communication is, I think, is a, is a, can be a challenge. Um, when I think about it, I, and when I talk about it, I think I try to focus on, on thinking about the listener or the receiver, right? So it's not just about the message that somebody is sending. It's about sending it in a way that is going to be effectively received by the person receiving it. Um, which I think we all sort of know and try to do, you know, maybe subconsciously, but is, you know, harder than, than it should be or harder than we think it is because we all, you know, in product, in leadership, in anything, right. We all have different perspectives. We come from different places. We have different backgrounds. There's so much that plays into, you know, how people are receiving that message. Um, and I think there's also a fine line between, you know, adjusting how you communicate to make it more effective for others and sort of totally changing everything about the way that you, you know, work and speak. Um, but I do think that starting again with that sort of intentionality and consciousness goes so far to being able to improve it easily. Cause like you mentioned earlier, I think it is a really nebulous topic and it's hard to say, you know, Oh, just communicate better or just do this differently. <laughs> um, and I think there are some sort of more concrete, more simple things that we can do that, that go a long way to making the rest of it easier without it being so nebulous. I think especially for us product people, you know, we like frameworks, <laughs> we like some guardrails and how can we sort of put that into place in communication too. Um, so I think that sort of that aware that intentionality and self-awareness goes a long way. Like I mentioned with sort of disk profiles or creating your own user manual. I think if you can start to understand how you yourself communicate, um, first of all, you'll, I think you're able to sort of understand that then more effectively about others. Um, And it also gives you that vocabulary to start talking about it. So, you know, for example, I'm someone who really struggles to give feedback on the fly. So I know that about myself, right? So if I'm, if I have hard feedback, I need to give to somebody, I know I will do better if I have time to sort of sit alone, think, write some things down and then present it. And knowing that about myself, first of all, makes me more effective at giving feedback but it also, I think, keeps me more aware about other people and the ways that they might have, right? I know that that's not everybody's way. <laughs> and how do we how do we sort of find that balance, I think, is what it's all about. Um, but understanding sort of where you come from can go a long way to figuring out where others can come from. And I think similarly, you, ha- you can ask, right? This doesn't have to be sort of a big secret <laughs> that everybody has. Um, I think that we don't talk about communication and communication styles a lot, but we could, right? So, and as if you remember that, you know, your normal is maybe not everybody else's normal, that's an important first step. And then, you know, do what you can to figure out what their normal is, right? So, hey, would you rather that I send you an email about this or should we put something on the calendar to talk about it, you know, next week? Um, Or, you know, hey, do you, prefer to talk about this over Slack or would you rather wait until we're chatting in person, right? I think there's 
that sounds kind of <laughs> silly and simple, but I think if you start to do more of that kind of thing, you can, yeah, set yourself up to have that better communication with whoever it is that you're talking to. And I think especially in product where we're talking to so many different kinds of people and people from different departments, different perspectives, whatever it might be, I think the more that you can start that process, the better off you'll be. Yeah. Um, you hit on a couple points that I absolutely love and I want to kind of dive into because I think this is just some great, some great, great, uh, interesting things. <laughs> the first one was actually just talking about it and bringing out some of the things that maybe we don't talk about enough. It reminds me, I, I used to work with somebody who their voicemail was, uh, don't leave a voicemail, just send me a text. And, and, and I love that. Cause it was like, yeah, uh, you know, they don't, they literally just don't want you to leave them a voicemail. They want to just get a message about it. this was a long time ago. And I, I think they were kind of just expressing their preference of, you know, please don't, don't make me call you back. Just send me a text message because I don't like want to have this back and forth verbal communication. And that's kind of what you're saying is like, Hey, let's just talk about how we want to communicate and, and get that out in the open so that we can understand each other, like how, how our communication preferences are maybe different and how we can best accommodate that and understand each other. And then, yeah, there's that understanding of each other and understanding of ourselves. And you were talking about how you understand your communication style. And that kind of echoes mine as well. Like I know for, for a fact, like I'm not an on the fly type person. I'm a much more, uh, I'm the style that needs to have a little, have a moment to think about things, let it, uh, set and gather my thoughts and then give feedback. So in the moment of meetings and things like that, I'm probably not going to be the one who has like a whole bunch of stuff that can just like rattle off when something is brand new. But once I've had a minute to think about it and gather my thoughts and, you know, maybe put a few notes down, then I'll have things to give feedback on and, and give thoughts on. And there may be lots of people like that. And there may be others who just like on the fly can give just lots of lots of pieces of information or feedback with little to no preparation. And those are different styles of communication and different styles of feedback. And we have to understand the differences and just getting that out and talking about it lets us understand ourselves and then understand each other so that we can have those conversations and, and just better communicate with each other. So, um, I, yeah. I love that. I, I think it, it starts to have, we can start to have the conversation and then start to have better communication, starting with understanding yeah. ourselves and then understanding each other. Exactly. And I think, and of course, an important caveat is that it's not always, you know, you can't always put yourself in that situation or that other person in the situation that's going to be best. Um, and sometimes it's not, you know, it's not worth doing. Um, sometimes you have to work around it, but but yeah, I think it, understanding that and setting yourself up to do it well when you can goes so far. Um, and I will say one thing that actually really added to my interest in communication and I think made me think about it so much more was moving abroad. Um, because not only, so I'm from the US, I live in Austria, you know, there's a different language here. So that's one sort of very major communication thing to think about a lot of the time. But even when we're all speaking English, I think there's just so many things that I took for granted about sort of norms of communication that just might be a little bit different. You know, not bad, not worse, not better, but different. And I think it sort of forced me to think about those sort of unspoken things a little bit more in a way that is, I think, so similar to what we do in the workplace all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense and probably really opens your eyes to some of the differences. Has there been anything that kind of stands out in some ways that may be interesting or that were surprising to you? Yeah. So <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> I think so. So my husband is Austrian. Mm -hmm. um, so this comes up frequently <laughs> just in, you know, at home. Um, the one that really sticks with me that... Um, is sort of such a silly example, but is, you know, I think <laughs> shows the difference is um, 
early on when I knew him, it, it was his birthday and I made him a cake. And after he had some of the cake, I said, you know, did you like the cake? And he said, it was good. And, you know, as an American, I hear it's good. And I assume, you know, he hated it and he just didn't want to tell me that he hated it. <laughs> um, but as an Austrian who, you know, I think they are generally speaking a little bit more straightforward and not so um, over the top <laughs> as we Americans can be. Uh, he meant, you know, it was good. It wasn't a bad cake. It was a good cake. Um, and again, it's a very silly example, but I feel like that kind of thing happens all the time, right? He used a word or said something, meaning it one way, and I took it totally differently. Um, and, you know, nobody was wrong. It just, there was a miscommunication that happened because of these different perspectives that we have. Um, so certainly not the, the last time that's happened. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of small things that do sort of, yeah, really make a difference and, and make you think about, uh, I think, all that you take for granted all the time when you communicate. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating uh, and helps, probably helps you think about, you know, the, the variety of different ways that we need to be very, very conscious of the different communication styles that many people have. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, as, as you were talking, one of, I, I had a manager who, who was very proactive about that type of thing. Um, you know, this was a while ago who would ask those types of questions, like how, you know, how do you prefer that we communicate? And, and, you know, is it by email? Is it, is it one-on-one? -on -one? Is it in, you know, some of these more public forums? And then, you know, once they learned some of those things, they, they understood some of my preferences. And I remember them, you know, saying, Hey, I, I, I know that, you know, you like to have time to think about giving feedback. So I'm going to pose some of these questions to you now. You don't have to answer, but if you'd get back to me in a day or two, once you've had some time to think about it and really like, taking the time to understand some of those things is it goes a long way because you know, it's, yeah. it's the understanding up front and then taking the time to see like, okay, I understand that, that this person and uh, the, this person likes to think about it or this person, you know, may, may, you know, not, you know, go be over the top in their expression. You know, they may be very frank and straightforward and that's the way they communicate or they may want time to think. And then, Right. putting them in a position that, that, that plays to some of those things wherever possible. And like you said, it, it may not always be possible. You know, we may have to have meetings that are one way or, or the other, but understanding that as leaders, that everybody has their communication style and how can we, uh, how can we best work within some of those things wherever, wherever possible, because, you know, our teams, especially now are more and more diverse and hopefully will continue to be so because like we were talking about earlier, you know, with that diversity of thinking and people and experience comes a lot of potential to have different perspectives. Yeah. And we avoid the, you know, that single perspective and uh, that can often lead to group think and, and exactly. that, you know, we were kind of, kind of touching on a little bit earlier, but I, I know I was thinking about yeah. it as we were talking about bringing in some of those outside perspectives. So, yeah, true. And that is a good point. It is very important to have that wide variety of perspectives, but then you also want to set everybody in that group up for success. And, and I think that's a great example with your manager. And I think I've heard that sort of thing from a lot of people. And I think it not only shows that your manager you know, is thinking about that sort of thing and is aware of, of, you know, setting you up to work most effectively. I think it also shows a lot of empathy, um, that they, you know, they care, right. It's, it's a few, maybe very simple questions, but it can go a long way to showing that, you know, I, I care about how you work and I want to make that as, as possible. Yeah. As successful as possible for you. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about communication, um, you know, one of the most important groups is what we call stakeholders. And now stakeholders is kind of this all encompassing term that, that can mean a lot of things and has a lot of different people involved in it. Uh, when you 
think about stakeholders and stakeholder management, how do you think about that? And, and how do you work with your, uh, uh, your customers, the people you're coaching uh, when it comes to stakeholder management? Yeah, the stakeholder management is definitely, I think it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people (laughs) Um, and yeah, encapsulates a lot. I think, yeah, ultimately stakeholders are really within products. Anybody who's, you know, affected by your product, has an impact on your products is going to be impacted by your products, right? That is so many people. It can be your team. It can be executives. It can be external partners. It can be users, uh, customers. I think it can be sort of a never-ending group, it can feel like. Um, so I think one of the most important things early on is to figure out who the who the important people are, right? Um, anybody can be a stakeholder, but who are sort of the key stakeholders for you, for your product, for you know, whatever you're working on right now. I think that is an easy step to forget and then just to just try to communicate with everybody, <laughs> keep everybody updated, everyone involved, I think is an easy. It can be an easy fallback and that's that's going to be a lot right i think you have limited time and energy um and you you know you want to keep people updated within reason and in the loop within reason but i think one important piece of dealing with stakeholders is making sure that you yeah spend your time and energy your limited time and energy with and on the people who are sort of most impacted or most impactful. Um, And I think, yeah, the communication with them then, I think a lot of what makes it, can make it effective is gonna be similar to what we've talked about so far, right? Understanding who they are, where they're coming from. I think, especially in the stakeholder sense, that's so crucial, right? Somebody's coming to you and saying, oh, I really, we need to build this one particular feature. There's, there's obviously more there, right? Are, what is it that's sort of leading them to say that? What is, who's sort of pushing them to push you, right? What are, what are their needs? What's driving them? Um, understanding all of that in addition to, you know, communication style and way of working and all of that um, is going to make your lives and their lives a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I do think ultimately so much of product is translating between different stakeholders. Um, which is, I think is easy to think of as sort of a secondary piece of the job, but is really so crucial, right? You can't, you can't build your product without, without stakeholders, without keeping them in mind, without pulling in their expertise, without updating them as things happen. Um, so they're very important and the way that you communicate with them is going to be very important too, because of that. Yeah. I really liked the point that you, you, talked about there about, you know, prioritizing because part of product management and probably one of the most difficult parts is prioritization. And we do it within the product itself. And that's very, very difficult often, but doing it within our communication and our stakeholder management is also very, very difficult, but also necessary because kind of like you mentioned, we can't we can't communicate everything to everyone all the time. And so understanding what is most important as far as the communication and also as far as the stakeholders go and how can we prioritize that because there's not infinite time and there's not infinite ability to communicate everything out. And so where is the time best spent? I think that's a really, really important part because I think most product people want to do everything and be everything to everyone, but having that prioritization framework as far as who are the key people, what are the key things they need to know, and then really hitting those things home is probably one of the most important things so that it's, it's not this endless cycle of, you know, we're, we're trying to let everybody know everything that's happening. And it's just it's the most important people are kind of taking priority. And that may not always just be executives. We're not talking like Hey, executives right. are the most important, but the most important people to the product who who may need to know things. And, and often that can be other departments. It depends on the product and depends on what's happening. But who are those key people like exactly. you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And also not just who you need to inform, but who is is really inv- heavily involved. Yeah. Right. Who are you sort of co-creating with? Who is um, providing a lot of input? But it, it, I love that you frame it in terms of prioritization because it's totally true. And it is funny. I do feel like at some level, 
stakeholder management is so sort of meta when it comes to product because <laughs> it's all about prioritization. It's all about sort of understanding your stakeholders like you understand and emphasize, emphasize with your users. Um, it is, I think, if, yeah, in a lot of ways, if you think of your team and your stakeholders and the people you work with in the ways that you think about your users and your products, you you can already give yourself some good foundations and frameworks to use um, as you as you prioritize, as you communicate, et cetera. Yeah. Um, what what would you say are some of the the biggest challenges or, or difficulties you see with stakeholder management with some of the people that you work with? Is it is it some of the things that we've talked about, or are there other things that come up frequently uh, with the the people that that you coach and work with in 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 what you're doing? It's it's definitely a mix. I think a lot of what we've talked about is definitely true um, and apl- and applies in so many cases. And and I think often some of the solutions or some things that can help are covered by a lot of what we talked we talked about, right? Understanding where people are coming from, um, you know, keeping them informed in different ways, et cetera. Um, but there's definitely others. I mean, I think uh, a challenge can be often that stakeholders aren't sort of involved early enough, right? If you're um, if you aren't talking, you know, to your sales team or to your engineers or to other departments, um, you know, early enough, I think it's going to get more complicated for all of you, right? I think that's where that's where you end up getting a lot of this kind of defensiveness and tension between teams, um, and and I think. It, Oftentimes, just looping people in a tiny bit early on can can go a long way. Um, so that's again, it's always it is always a balance, but that's definitely something that comes up a lot. I think another thing. Um, so yeah, I, I do think a lot of it comes back to this prioritization. Um, one framework that I find really helpful for that is the power interest matrix, which is basically you just are sort of mapping your stakeholders based on how powerful and interested they are, interested in sort of you know, the everyday in the weeds, not sort of <laughs> in general. Because um, I think, yeah, again, it can just be helpful to give you a sense of yeah, where do you want to focus your time and energy? But of course, then you end up in situations where, you know, you feel like a stakeholder should be in one particular box, but they think that they're more powerful or more interested. <laughs> and how do you handle that sort of discrepancy? Um, and that's, I think, a frequent challenge. I think first and foremost, realizing that there is a discrepancy is a, is a helpful first step. <laughs> you can figure out, right, is it worth the time and energy to sort of start to nudge them in a different direction? Is it easy enough to involve them in different ways, right, depending on your relationship with them and um, many other things? Um, but I think that's something that comes up a lot as well because, yeah, stakeholders are complicated because stakeholders are people <laughs> and people are complicated. <laughs> and that's why, um, yeah, I think so much of this can be challenging, even if you've done it, you know, a million times, because it's always, always something new and, um, and always people, you know, wanting to be involved. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had to deal with a, a really difficult stakeholder or ever had to coach somebody, uh, through dealing with somebody difficult and, and, you know, what has been your advice or, 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 or ways to manage that? And and what advice would you give to somebody, you know, dealing with somebody who may be particularly difficult as a stakeholder, as somebody who's involved in a product? It's a great question. I think we've, I'm sure we can all think of <laughs> difficult stakeholders <laughs> as you say that. Um, yeah, I certainly have dealt with plenty of my own and have worked with people who have as well. I think one thing that I always say, and I, you know, I try to do <laughs> in my own life is um, to, you, you don't have to do it alone, right? If you are struggling with a particular stakeholder or communicating with somebody on a different team or external or whatever, um, and, and it's a challenge, right? You can talk to your manager about it. You can talk to other people about it, right? It doesn't have to be something that you solve all alone because I think sometimes it can feel that way. Um but sometimes bringing somebody else in or just having a conversation about it will help you figure out some ways around it or at least ways to make it easier. Um, one thing I think that can be really challenging is figuring out sort of what is the line between difficult stakeholder and somebody who is just being 
sort of, you know, rude or inappropriate. Because <laughs> um, I think, you know, we have to put up with difficult stakeholders. We shouldn't have to put up with people who sort of are crossing <laughs> lines. Um, and, and I think especially for people who are more introverted or women and minorities, it can be harder to sort of find, you know, figure out where that line is and, and make sure that, um, you know, you're managing or dealing with difficult stakeholders, but not sort of putting up with people who are being complicated for other reasons. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, something that comes up as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. To- yeah, totally agree with that. Um, all right. What uh, kind of going along those same lines, you know, what advice would you give uh, to somebody who is either getting into product management or or hoping to get into product management? Also a great question. I think this is so hard because there's so much out there. <laughs> and I think that's one of the biggest challenges because there's so many great books about products. There's so many great, there's so much great content. And how do you, how do you keep up and how do you not feel overwhelmed by, you know, not keeping up? I certainly, you know, I'm on some really great newsletters and it's easy to fall behind and feel like I will never, I will never recover. <laughs> um, so my first piece of advice is always just to Try not to get too overwhelmed and know that there is a lot out there. You don't have to know it all, right? Find the things that sort of resonate with you or that interest you and focus your time and energy there. Um, You know, you'll learn as you go where you might need to read a bit more or or work a bit more. Um, But but don't feel like you have to read every single book about product management before you even get started, Um, especially because you know, as we all know, once you're in the real world, things are going to work a bit differently. Um, so cut yourself a little, give yourself some slack when you can. Um, and I think another thing, especially on all these communication topics is to remember that so much of what you've done outside of product is going to be helpful and it's going to be relevant, right? So you might be on your first day as a junior product manager, but if you've worked, you know, in if you were a waitress or if you, you know, babysat, or if you worked in, you know, as an engineer, right. I think there's so many other roles you could have that are going to um, serve you well in products, especially when you talk about communicating with lots of different people and dealing with stakeholders um, and being involved in so many things and wearing so many hats. Um, so I think it's definitely people who are new and people who are looking to break into products should not underestimate how much, um, how many skills they have and how much stuff that they've done that is going to help them as they go forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely true. It's a lot to, a lot to take in and a lot to kind of bring all together, but it definitely don't get overwhelmed. I think that's, that's great advice. Yeah, Easier said than done yeah. always, but <laughs> for sure. All right. It, did you have any final thoughts or any I guess anything else to kind of add to any of the things that we've talked about or didn't talk about before we kind of have a couple of wrap up questions, but before we kind of wrap it up, anything else to add to, to any of the topics that we've kind of gone through? Oh boy. I think, I mean, I love these topics. I definitely could talk about them all day, all night. Um, but I think we covered a lot of good things. I think we didn't talk so much about, about leadership and how this fits into that, but I think you referenced it at one point and it is so true. I think this is not just for, uh, not just for PMs, not just for product people in general, but I think all of these skills and all of these topics are so, so important um, if you have any sort of leadership role as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that's definitely true. And you, maybe just expanding on that for for one second, you know, how how would you see it uh, changing for leaders? Uh, you know, you know, we've talked about the communication and a lot of stakeholder management. You know, what are some of the similarities and differences between those things, especially with some of the people that you're working with? I think a lot of it is similar, right? A lot of these sort of communication basics um, and what's important is go- going to still be true and going to be even more true and more important. Um, I think the most important difference is that when you're leading a team, you have more impact on not just yourself and the you know one person you're talking to, but that whole team, right? And the culture of the company. And I think so much when you talk about communication is really about sort of building a culture of you know open communication where people are aware of people's different preferences and everybody knows how to effectively give and receive feedback. Um, and those are hard things. And I think they're not 
they're not sort of the baseline most places because, you know, they have to be sort of taught and learned and, and discussed. And so I think, especially in a leadership role, you have to sort of not just do these things effectively yourself, but really try to build that culture within your team. I think you're absolutely right. And it's building the culture is, it can be, it can be a difficult thing, but it's so crucial as a leader. Uh, and uh, if it's done well, I think it sets the tone for, for so far into the future for what a team can be like and ultimately what the entire organization will be like. And if it's done poorly, then what the, probably the critical things that you're measured on as a leader, which are like your team, uh, how well it's doing, how well people are ultimately staying and producing uh, will suffer immensely because, you know, people don't want to work in cultures that they can't thrive in. And, and that is ultimately your responsibility as a leader. So, uh, yeah. And I think the one (laughs) I could talk about this all day too, but I think the one other thing there is that just because you're not actively doing it doesn't mean you aren't building a culture of something. And it tends to be not so much a positive one if you aren't putting real sort of time and energy into it. So I think that's the, that is the challenge of culture for sure. And one of the challenges of leadership. Um, but definitely an important, an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Christina, this has been an absolutely amazing, amazing conversation. I've got a couple questions, uh, to kind of wrap things up. So we usually wrap up with, um, some, some shout outs and, and, or gripes if you have them, but, uh, (laughs) have you watched or read or listened to anything recently that you found particularly interesting and would like to share? Yeah. So first of all, thank you as well. I really enjoyed talking about all of this stuff. Um, I have not read or watched anything product related in the last <laughs> little bit. Um, but the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is I just recently watched a Netflix doc- the Netflix documentary about D.B. Cooper, who's that guy who like hijacked a plane in the 70s and jumped out of it with a bunch of money, um, which was fascinating. <laughs> Um, so not necessarily communication related or product related, but certainly, uh, certainly interesting. <laughs> nice. Okay. I haven't watched that, but I'm somewhat familiar with the story and it just sounds absolutely crazy. So I'm, I might have to watch yeah, that one. Cause that's just, yeah. A fa- it sounds it like crazy. super fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And somewhat product related. Do you have any shout outs to any products or shout outs or gripes to any products that you may be using? Uh, that you're enjoying or either or not enjoying uh, right now? Yes, one of each, actually. Um, the one that I'm enjoying is, is a hardware product. Um, I recently got a Nespresso milk frother, which is a ridiculously overpriced single-use <laughs> kitchen item that I am absolutely obsessed with. It makes you know hot foam for cappuccinos. It makes cold foam for iced coffee. And it was worth every penny. <laughs> so that is definitely the, the one I'm enjoying the most. Yep. It's made the mornings a lot more fun. Um, not enjoying it, not one specific product, but I think something I've encountered a lot lately that has driven me so crazy is really, really poorly made forms online, right? Whether it's trying to check into a flight or trying to I don't know, register for something. Um, I feel like it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to look pretty, but there's some real basics about forms that are not that hard. That should work, right? I should know if this question is required. I should be able to read the button. Um, I feel like that has come up far too often lately and is my biggest gripe of late for sure. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely. I was just, I was actually just going through a form and was, was <laughs> experiencing some of those exact same things. Like, why can't I move forward? And it was because there was a hidden required field. And I was like, this, why is this required? And why are you not showing that to me? It, I totally agree. Exactly. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, thank you for those. I think those are great. Uh, Christina, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Um, I've loved everything that we dove into. I'm sure we could dive into a whole bunch more uh, over another few hours probably, but really appreciate your time and all of your experience and everything that you shared. Um, where can people go to find out more about you, uh, your coaching, consulting, anything else that you are working on or doing right now? Yeah. Um, so 
I can be found at my website, which is christinakweiss.com. Um, and there's a variety of ways to get a hold of me there. Um, and I'm also teaching a class on these topics. Um, so if anyone is interested in learning more about communication and stakeholder management and talking to other PMs about the challenges and things that work well or not well, um, that is something that they should look into, that you should look into. Um, and that can be found on my website as well. And um, hopefully I can share a link um, to the course directly too. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We will have the links to all of that in the show notes. So check those out in the show notes below. And uh, again, Christina, thank you so much. This has been uh, a great conversation and uh, it's been great to have you on. Uh, So thank you again. And thank you everybody for listening. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.